first of all, I am Lucy, as John said, I'm his little sister. Um, so I actually am a fully trained youth worker, that's what I do. So when John jokes that this is the first time I've spoken to people your age, he's lying. I do this all the time, except I wrote it out of my contract, as Tim knows very well that I did. So Tim might have already seen this, because it's cannibalized from an old assembly, because why not? So the theme that I've taken for this morning, this morning I'm already on school vote already, um, was New Year, New Me, New Grace, or as I would much rather call it, no matter how badly we effed up, there is New Grace, because that is the point of this. So first things first, I'm going to do a little bit of story time because I'm going to tell you a superhero story. So this superhero didn't have a great start in life. He had a mom and a dad that loved him very much and a little sister. Except on his sixth birthday, his dad gave him weed. Like they smoked together. It was how his dad showed him love. This carried on and then at 11, the parents got divorced. His sister went off with his dad and he stayed with his mum. He then dropped out of school at the age of 17 to do the good old-fashioned thing of trying to become an actor, as everyone tries at some point in their life. At, at age 18, he was in his first movie after dropping out. He made, went on to then make at least one movie every year, which for new actors is really not that bad. He got a fantastic role of playing Charlie Chaplin in one of these things, did all his own stunts and everything and it won him a high accolade and nomination for one of the world's best prizes in acting. Except his drug-related issues were still there. He was still doing weed, he was still doing heroin and cocaine from when he was six. They escalated, leading to numerous arrests. His first arrest was when he was 31. He was released from jail and put into a rehabilitation center, which again, he got out of. He went back in for getting out of the probation without doing what he was told. He goes backwards and forwards for many, many, many years of his life. Now, he was remanded to a secure drug rehabilitation center and was fired from any of the shows that he was on. Movies, TV, anything. Kicked out, done. When he was in prison for the fifth time, fifth time, our superhero received a letter from an old acting buddy of his, and it said these words. A talent such as yours is given to you by God. You have the responsibility of preserving that talent. You cannot use that talent where you are now. It may sound pretentious, but I believe sincerely that when you have such a talent, you have an obligation to other people. Months later, he's actually out of prison, but he's still doing all the drugs because they're kind of addictive. I don't know if anyone's told anyone that. He's driving down Boulevard. He's not naked at this point though previously was arrested for driving a Lamborghini butt-naked into someone's house. It's not a good party trick. He's driving down Boulevard, and he's like, oh, I'm really hungry. He's got a bad case of the munchies. So he pulls over at Burger King, goes through the drive-thru, picks up a burger, drives off again. He's driving, through, driving down one of the boulevards, and he eats this burger, and it's the worst thing he's ever tried in his life. He has to put it down, and it makes him rethink his entire life. There's a great advert there for Burger King. Um, <laughs> fantastic, take from that what you want. I will never eat Burger King, and it's not because of this story. Um, to get over his drug addiction, he studied martial arts. And in 2003, this was when his life turned around. To get over, he began studying Kung Fu three times a week for three hours a session. And in 2008, he got to say the famous words, I am Iron Man. 
This is not a superhero story. This is Robert Downey Jr.'s life. And so much so, he said this in 2008, we all know the movie that just came out. There's many, many, many more. He's now dead in the cinematic universe. Spoiler! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but when the movie premiered in Japan in 2008, when he, turned, he had successfully turned his life around, he was refused entry to the country because of his criminal record. Japan said, no, we don't want your kind here. He spent hours in the solitary in Japan, in the airport, showing the heroin marks on his arms and how they'd healed over, doing blood test after blood test after blood test just to go see his movie. He eventually was allowed into the country, because we all know Japan's pretty strict. He was allowed into the country to see his premiere, and he was told to get out straight away. Go see your film, go away. So he was allowed in the country for a total of like an hour and a half, two hours maybe, just because of his history. But why am I telling you this story? Robert Downey Jr. turned his life around. These are photos that people very rarely see of Robert Downey Jr. now. He even, he now has kids, and his son was caught with um, weed on him a few years back, and he publicly congratulated the police officers and told the world his son was an idiot. You know my story, why are you doing this? were the words he said to his son. But why am I telling you this? Robert Downey Jr. turned his life around so significantly that in 2015, he was actually pardoned for a lot of his um, convictions. I never knew that. And I'm not telling you this because he actually managed to stick to his resolution. But without Christ, he is still not complete. None of us are. Because grace comes from God's great love for us which is here before us, which was here for the people that messed up before us. This is a little baby Robert Downey Jr. Everyone say, ah. <laughs> That's actually from a film. Even those of us that have messed up in the past, this is a little tiny baby photo of me. <laughs> we think, we're not quite sure. It could be another sibling, who knows? It's not John. Throughout scripture, we are told of people and tribes and even whole nations who have messed up. The Bible is littered with it. Paul, the Paul, the dude that wrote a lot of the Bible, um, was Saul originally, a ruthless crusader intent on stopping the growth of Christianity at any cost. He put Christians in prison, destroyed churches, and even oversaw their murders until God revealed himself to Saul on the road to Damascus and then his life was forever changed around. It was God's grace that was enough for Paul. David, King David, David and Goliath, God used him to lead his people in a very difficult time. But even as a man after God's own heart, David still historically made mistakes. He broke more than half of the 10 commandments and he's King David. He committed murder, lying, adultery, coveting a neighbor's wife, even stealing another man's wife, which is somewhere in between all of that. Even though his sins were many, he turned to God, confessed his sins, and asked for forgiveness. And God's grace was enough for King David. Moses, the Red Sea Moses. You can tell I do youth work, can't you? <laughs> 
He had a troubling past before God even called him to lead the people. When he was son of Pharaoh, he became incensed with seeing an Egyptian guard beating a Jewish slave, that he killed the guard. He hid the body in the sands and then ran away. He just wanted nothing to do with it, like, nope, done, it's all gone. I'm just going to go over here and hide. So he fled Egypt trying to begin a new life. Despite the murder, God used Moses to lead two million Israelites. You can check me on my numbers later, John. Two million Israelites out of Egypt, and eventually they went on to the Promised Land, which is foretold in books and books before even Moses. Peter, on whom Christ will build his church. Peter denied even knowing Christ, having walked with the man for three years. Not just once, but three times. This was the ultimate test for Peter, but even when his loyalty was firmly fixated on Christ, he still failed. Even though he turned his back on Jesus, God forgave Peter and reaffirmed his faith. He repented and continued to share the good news, even until his death, becoming the rock that Jesus would build his church on, as was said. God's grace was enough for Peter, Jonah, the one with the fish, not a whale, fish. Theologians like it when you make sure it's a fish, not a whale. It's like the fruit's not an apple. But apples are easier to draw. God commanded him to preach repentance to the city of Nineveh, but he refused out of stubbornness, a bit like writing it out of your contract that you no longer have to do public speaking. (sighs) Totally don't relate to Jonah. And then he literally got on a boat and went the opposite way from Nineveh, as far as he could go, before a storm caught him and a fish ate him. Thankfully, I haven't been swallowed by any fish lately. This is why I live in a landlocked county. (laughs) While in the belly of the fish, Jonah repented and begged God to save him. And the Lord listened. Jonah went on to spread God's message to the Ninevites. They repented, and God did not destroy them. God's grace was enough not only for Jonah, but also for the Ninevites in that. Jonah turning around and changing his life saved the Ninevites. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, we are told, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God. A gift from God. Robert Downey Jr. didn't need to do any of the martial arts, the years and years of dedication it took to get clean, they're going cold turkey from three of the worst drugs to be addicted to, let alone the alcoholism and everything else that went with it. All he needed to do was accept Jesus' gift. Even if we ever mess up as much as Robert Downey Jr. or Paul or King David or Jonah, God still loves you. It's his grace that you need. I don't often get a clicker when I do this, or a laser. Most of us want other people to see our strengths. They want us to not see how nervous we are or how worried we are. Robert Downey Jr. now refuses to answer any questions about his past because he has has talked about it in his public knowledge. He doesn't need to speak on it anymore. And fair enough, it's quite quite a sordid past. Except I got up here 
and was introduced as John's little sister, which is a true fact. I can't get away from that one. I'm stuck with him for life. Sorry, Dawn. She married in to get to us. It's okay. She says it herself. <laughs> I'm not getting a lift home now, am I? Nope. But I didn't stand up here and tell you that, that the fact that I'm not letting go of this, because if I do, it's going to get snapped. <laughs> I did not say, hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a nervous, depression-ridden mess who'd rather just be hiding at the back where I usually hide and get away with it than see any of you. How many of you even have I said hello to at all? Ah, uh, bar the team. Case in point, <laughs> Joe, I've taught you. <laughs> Man, I'm old. Nor did I even tell you that my boyfriend has been texting me all day saying, you know, you, you're good at what you do, right? And I've gone, Haha, no, I'm not. Which I might not be, but I haven't. There's no puddle behind me. Like, I'm okay. So John at the beginning asked us about our New Year's resolutions. And so I wanted to tell you mine. I didn't pick mine. My boyfriend did. I have a terribly Canadian habit of apologizing too much. Can anyone relate? <laughs> you say sorry when you really shouldn't, you don't need to. So his resolution for me was that I would say sorry less. And I'm like, okay. So I've got creative and looked up in a thesaurus, other words for sorry. <laughs> Does that count? Yes. Can I get away with that? <laughs> but, it means that I'm actually having to think about how I'm talking and why I'm saying sorry. I'm saying sorry because growing up, and again, again, this is weird to do with your siblings in the room, but growing up, I was told to be quiet. Don't talk. That's too much now. Go be quiet, sit down. So I apologize when I talk too much. So then when I'm put in a position like this, and you're told to talk, I go, ha, 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 not allowed to do that. I'm not meant to do that. All of this, I've just been very vulnerable with you, and I need to go back to my notes now before I cry. So, Paul was not afraid of being vulnerable about his frailties. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Even Paul asked for help. Why aren't we? <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but none of you are as good as Paul. You can heresy heron me if you want, but I'm still going to say it. None of us are as good as King David. I really don't want, ever want the responsibility of leading a people to the promised land. That's not a scary place at all. Or are there not millions of armies between here and there? But I can still ask God for help. His grace is still there for me. The most effective way to turn around from something is with help. These New Year's resolutions that we've all made, and probably all broken by now, because I've already apologized today, I'm pretty sure. If not, sorry. 
is to, is to ask for help. Why not get it in a prayer triplet? Meet with a mate. Just send them a text saying, hey, I read this in the Bible. What do you think about it? We all have Instagram. We can all make pretty pictures with Bible verses on that then we set as a square and then never do anything with because they're just pretty and they're square. And why do we do anything with it? Why not send it to a friend? They might need it. Sitting there and going, oh, I've broken my resolution. I'm done now. Like, I'm free for the rest of the year to do whatever I want. That's not what it's about. It's about seeing this new day, this new dawn, as I just head bobbed towards dawn because that's how I do that. This new dawn, this new day is yours and it is with you and Christ. As John said at the beginning, Christ is dedicated to that time with you regardless. He is still going to be there. This morning in church here was stood a guy called Mark who I absolutely adore. You can tell him that one, it's fine. But he stood here and told a story and it was of a mind and he, this guy welcomed Christ into his life and in his heart and he showed him round and he said, well, this is, this is my um, dwelling place where I will come and sit with you and every hour, every morning, first hour in the morning when I wake up, I'll spend with you. And he goes and he's faithful and he's dedicated and he goes and sees for the hour and then goes and sees for the next hour. And a few days later, he's like, I'm just going to sleep. Sleep is always way more important, especially for some of us. But... Years later, he went back and was seeing himself around his own mind, and he saw Christ sat there with the fireplace still on, waiting patiently for him. And the guilt that this man felt, but it's not guilt. It shouldn't be guilt. It's that realization that Christ is there waiting for us to go and speak to him. His grace is new. It is a gift. Whether or not we accept it, he has stood there with open hands saying, this is for you. Take it. And it's not some weird sample of like vegan bacon. Because no, grace is much better than that. Sorry if there's any vegans in the room, but your bacon tastes weird. So don't forget to speak up when you're in need. And if you pray, don't forget that Jesus' life and death was all about providing the way for us to be released from the things that hurt us and to make sure that we're able to experience the life God created for us. Paul pleaded for help. He did. I'm a bit ahead. Grace comes through Jesus. This gift came at a price, one that we never had to pay. It was paid for us. As many of you have heard, we have communion together as a leadership team before you guys arrive to set ourselves in the right mind for serving and to do this with him at the front. I could be talking jargon right now. I could be speaking Klingon, and you guys would still hear what Jesus wants you to hear. Can't speak Klingon. I'm not that bad of a geek. Bit of elvish. Jesus is the source of this grace that we need in our weakness. In the same chapter, Peter explains how Jesus became the source of all grace. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is as true to the people that Peter was writing to then as it is now. The last time I stood here and spoke, I spoke on Genesis 1. And all the way through that, I stood in a room much older than the rest of you. That includes you guys, don't worry. Much older, much older. And to see these little old ladies realize when he says, and it was good, he means you as well. Just see, they go, oh, 
I'm like, I'm a 20-something, and I just taught 70-somethings. This hurts my brain. But that's the point of this. Like, you guys are not any less qualified to do this than anyone else. I have stood in front of six-formers. Now, I've stood in front of 16-year-olds. No, 18-year-olds when I was 16, teaching. That hurts my head as well, don't worry. It wasn't in this country. But I stood as a 16-year-old on my own in a second language, teaching 18-year-olds, because that was what God had called me to do at that point. It's not by us, it is a gift from God that that grace is there. Jesus is our sure foundation. The one who trusts in him will never be dismayed. And the one who died so that you can be forgiven and experience his great love, grace and power for you. In short, grace is not a little girl that didn't wash her face. I'm not that young. In short, grace is therefore God's unmerited favor. It is his goodness towards those who have no claim on nor reason to expect divine favor. That is our grace that we have. It is the principal manifestation of God's grace that has been in the form of a gift. A gift paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. We all know this verse, right? It's the one held up at football matches because it's easy to write on a piece of paper. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Anyone tell me what the next verse is? Without cheating. This is the part that everyone forgets. Jesus did not come into this world to judge it. That's God's job. But that it might be saved through him. I used my laser pointer professionally. Everyone notice laser pointer? Ta da! <laughs> So the world might be saved through him. Why do we forget this verse? Because it's more convenient to say, oh, I've messed up. I can get away with anything now, right? The concept of forgiveness is a little bit easier to grasp than the concept of grace. But it's so that the world might be saved through him. There is no end date on this. There is no specification. It does not say that only single, white, male, middle-aged Christians get saved. Thank the Lord it doesn't. Because that would be terrible and really boring. Sorry, but it would. The same grace and the same love was for Jonah, for David, for Moses, for Paul, for Peter, for Robert Downey Jr. when he was a kid, when his parents put stuff on him that he shouldn't have gone through. But when he was an adult, made his own mistakes as a fully-fledged adult. That's his problem at that point. Or as me. Like, I've made mistakes. John can tell you, it'll be a great list. Lots of funny pictures of me falling asleep on the potty. <sighs> Threats for my wedding day, eh? It's the same grace year in, year out, day after day, minute after minute, second after second, month after month, light year after light year, because that's a time, that's a spend of time. 
His love for us is unconditional. God's grace covers all, literally covers all of it. So your New Year's resolutions don't have to be New Year's resolutions. Jake and I were speaking earlier about cycling and going to the gym and stuff. I avoid the gym in the first two weeks of January because it's full of people that don't know how to use anything and take far too long and just like to take selfies. Because it's so annoying. I just want to go and cycle and I leave so I can go and eat my salad, which is boring. But why do we have to wait until New Year? Hands up if you were hungover at New Year. But shouldn't you make resolutions with a clear and conscious, shouldn't you enter a contract with a clear and conscious mind, being free of any self-doubt or anything? Because that's what a resolution should be. It should be a contract. You are deciding within yourself to make an agreement with either God or whoever you believe in. But that's what you're doing. The only person you're letting down is yourself, and I know that sounds really, really mean, and I promise I'll make you giggle at some other point today. Case in point. But I think Paul says it nicely and neatly in Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And again, there is no, con- there is no pre-condoned subject to that. Joe, because it's apparently South Come tradition to pick on you. <laughs> God demonstrates his own love towards Joe in that while we, he was yet still a sinner, Christ died for you, Joe. I can't tell if you're like really badly dabbing. Okay, it's godly dabbing, is it? Mm. Don't let that stick. Don't let that one stick. Okay, this is the end of my talk and now I don't know what to do. Help save me. No one's moving. <laughs> Right. Oh. Ooh, it works. My, I'm, I'm much nicer on the microphone. Yeah, I apologize. I'm going to go back and hide at the back now. Yes. Um, thank you very much for sharing. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs>